You are listening to Mrs. Miracle's Music Room Podcast, episode number seven. Hi, everyone. This is Aileen. And in today's podcast, I'm going to talk about the power of professional development. I actually got back from the OAKE National Conference a couple weeks ago. It was in Philadelphia. And of course, I just enjoyed myself immensely and learned so much. And it got me thinking about the power of professional development and how important it's been for me in my career to really keep growing and learning. Even after 18 years of teaching, I always learned so much. Um, The kind of conference that I'm going to address today is not just any professional development or any, you know, four-hour workshop, but when you have conferences with several sessions and concerts and you have, you know, several different topics depending on which session you're going to. Of course, the four-hour workshops are also super helpful, so I'm not trying to say that those aren't also very helpful, but the points that I'm going to be making will be about that kind of conference where you have a lot of different things to choose from. So number one, for sure, as far as what you can get out of professional development is just content, you know, strategies and tips and folk songs and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to give you an overview of what my days at the OAKE conference looked like. So you can get an idea of all of the awesome topics that I was able to attend. So I started off with my former teacher, Joni Lippman. She did the mini conference on Thursday afternoon, and it was about multicultural music. And she's just such an amazing pedagogue. She's just really so brilliant and so culturally sensitive with everything that she presents. And she has spent quite a bit of time in the Middle East. So she understands how to present things in a way that is sensitive to the culture, that is appropriate, that is respectful. So she did have a a few um, songs from other areas, but most of her songs were from the Middle East. And she had us go through, she had an awesome, really helpful packet of all of these folk songs. And she had us sing through them. And then she showed this slideshow of you know, what we typically think of when we think of the Middle East and then what the Middle East actually looks like. And it was really eye-opening. You know, I, you don't always think of the misconceptions you have of an area or of a culture until, you know, something like that is shown to you. And then she had a demo group that she had been teaching um, at, um, not at her school, but she had gone and been like a guest teacher at the school. And it taught them all of these songs. And so we got to see kids, middle schoolers, playing these games. And it was just fantastic. It was just really wonderful. On Friday, I went to um, my friend Georgia Newland's part work session, which was just chock full of awesome strategies and songs and ideas for teaching part work. My good friends Andrew Ellingson and Brent Galt presented an Alliance for Active Music Making session about listening skills and again fantastic Brent did this awesome listening and movement lesson to um, 
Royal March of the Lion from Carnival of the Animals. And Andrew did this really awesome activity for Peace Porch Hot where the students or we as the conference attendees got to, you know, create all this different movement. And then we got to really develop some critical thinking and deeper level thinking um, as we looked at the form of Peace Porch Hot and specifically like which rhythms fall in which beats. So it was really great. Then I went to iPads with Laura Harmon. And uh, I, you know, I have eight iPad minis in my classroom. So I've played a, a, around a lot with different apps, but she had some apps I had never seen before. So I had fun just getting out my iPad and downloading a bunch of new apps. Um, and then on the next day, I think the next day was Friday, I went to a kindergarten session with Lauren Bain, and she had some great ideas for teaching kindergarten. She focused on fast and slow and had some um, great songs and chants and listening activities. That was fun to see. And then my friend Donna Gallo did a creative movement session, which was just lovely. I loved it. Really great ideas for teaching creative movement, but also bringing in that literacy aspect. So she had some specific listening lessons that were a lot of fun, and, and I'm excited to try out with my students. Then Jennifer Kimok and my good friend Amy Carter, they presented a session all about listening lessons as well, and uh, had some great ones that I'd never thought to, great pieces of music I hadn't thought to use with my students. So I was writing down a lot of notes for that. And then on Sunday, there were a couple sessions on Sunday. Um, Issei Barnwell from Sweet Honey in the Rock, she actually did the keynote, which was fantastic. And then on Sunday, she did an African music session. We sang through quite a bit of African literature, and it was just like really musically satisfying. I actually did have to leave that a little bit early because I was presenting a session about variety and assessment in the session after that. So I went to a little bit of Issei Barnwell's session, and then I saw a little bit of my friend Sulite Holt-Bocock's session, and hers was about gradual release. And that's the tricky part is like there are a lot that sometimes you just don't get to go to a session even though you really want to because there's so many good sessions to choose from. So I saw a little bit of Sue's, though, because I was actually presenting in the same room as her, so I got to kind of soak in what I could as I was kind of preparing for my session, and that was also wonderful. So, you know, when I first started going to OAKE conferences, this was way back, I think in the year 2000 was the first year I went, and no, actually it was 2001, and it was in Williamsburg, Virginia. And back then, I think um, a lot of what I got was, you know, singing games, different folk songs, different singing games. And then I think as I started going through my Kodai levels and really gathered a lot more songs, then, you know, you find your your focus changing a little bit. And it, at least in my experience, I went more from like gathering folk songs and singing games to maybe strategies for teaching different concepts. And then it kind of went into like, you know, deeper level, big idea kind of things. Um, but even if I go to a session that's not necessarily a big idea session, I still, you know, there might be a tiny little thing like, oh, I never thought to do that. Or, oh, that's a great song for teaching that. I never thought of that. You know, just like little things. But then, like I said, you can have those big idea ones. Um, like Joni's, I would consider a pretty big idea one because um, she spoke so well to being sensitive that um, that really stuck with me. So 
really, there are so many great sessions to choose from. And I'm sure this would be true of, I've heard really wonderful things about AOSA conferences, and I'd really love to go sometime. Um, and I have been to a few state music conferences, and I think with those, it, it really depends on your state. With some states, they're really kind of focused on high school and middle school, like band and choir. So depending on the state you're in, you might have that experience too, where like the elementary sessions, if you're an elementary teacher, there's not as much to choose from. But I have heard several of my friends from other states, from all over the United States, say that um, at their state music conferences, they were definitely making more of an effort to have more variety to choose from as far as levels go. So, um, and that can be really fun. Like I know when I was first teaching, I went to a state music conference and I got to see so many of my college friends. This was back when I was in Michigan. So um, socially, which we'll talk about that in a minute too, socially it can be really fun to go to, to a state music conference if you know you know a lot of people going, but definitely also very fun um, for me going to OAKE because I do know I have so many friends that I only get to see a few times a year. So content is number one as far as professional development going to a conference there's so much that you can get and really just having that multitude of perspectives where you are hearing so many different perspectives about so many different topics there's just so much to learn um, second reason I love going to conferences like this are the performances truly especially with um, the OAKE conference and I'm sure there are other conferences that are like this but just mind-blowing awesome performances on Thursday night after Issa Barnwell did the keynote um, the young people's chorus of New York City performed and oh my goodness they were just amazing I just like my mouth was literally to the like my jaw was just dropped it was really amazing and, you know, some of the things that they did were completely accessible for my choir. So some of them were too hard, but some of them I could do with my choir. So it's also great to hear a group perform and, you know, they're just, it's just musically satisfying to hear such awesome musicianship coming out of children. But then sometimes you can also, you know, get ideas for your own performing groups. My friend Ken Carter, his high school group performed, I believe, the next day and they were also fantastic. And again, you know, the, the pieces he chose, I might not be able to use. But one of them, he did um, Tell My Ma, which is an Irish folk song. And I have actually done that with my choir. And uh, I decided that I was going to look up his arrangement, even though it was SATB. Um, I wanted to look up his arrangement to potentially adapt it or kind of see maybe there's an arrangement by the same arranger. Um, who writes for two or three voices instead of four. So you can still get some great ideas, even from a high school group. And then the American Boy Choir performed on Sunday, and I actually was on my way to the airport, so I missed it, unfortunately. But there is a really cool video on the OAKE Facebook page. If you go to Facebook and just search Organization of American Kodai Educators, then... Um, you will see this video of them singing the Stars and Stripes Forever all in solfege. It is really amazing. You definitely want to go check that out. So search Organization of American Kodai Educators. And while you're there, go ahead and like the page because we've been trying to post, you know, just helpful articles and 
um, things that would be of interest to any Kodai-inspired teacher or any music teacher. Um, and then if you scroll down a little bit, you'll find it, or you can probably search American Boy Choir and find it, but it's not too far down as I'm recording this anyway. And you'll see the Stars and Stripes Forever and Soulfish, which is really awesome. And I almost forgot um, on Saturday night, we had the big choir concert with four different choirs. And that is always every year. It's just so awesome. Like I said, for the same reasons where, you know, you can get choral literature ideas, but then also just hearing children sing so beautifully. Obviously, we all love that. So it's also definitely satisfying as a musician and as a music educator to hear that. All right, so number three for why I love professional development are the resources. Um, I have fun going around to all the booths, and I typically spend a little bit too much money. But, you know, when there are puppets and there are instruments and there are all these music education resources, it's really hard not to spend money. Um, a few things that I picked up at the booth um, I actually went to the Music is Elementary booth and I picked up my friend Georgia Newland's book called One Accord. So she presented all, all these awesome part work ideas in her session. And then she mentioned this book that, you know, if you're interested in more ideas like this, you can check out this book. Um, and of course, I had to go check it out because I know that she's brilliant and I am really enjoying using it so far, and I haven't had it for very long. It would be a really great purchase for your choir, but also for your general music kids. Um, and also, if you teach secondary, there she really sequenced it out really well, so you could use it for secondary as well. So she, it was very sequential the way that she lays all of the part work skills out. So I, I recommend that. It's a little bit pricey. I want to say it was around eighty dollars, but if you have choir funds. Um, you might be able to use those to purchase it. Um, I do want to mention my friend Brent has, Brent Galt has a book called Listen Up, and I didn't buy it at the booth because I already have it. I actually have it um, on my iPad as like a, you know, digital resource that I can look up. Um, but he has some really great listening lessons in that book too, and that was on sale at the Music as Elementary booth too, and I think also the West Music booth. And then something else that I picked up are these dots. Um, I will leave a link in the show notes and to get to the show notes, you can go to my blog at mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com and then go to podcast and then choose podcast number seven. And I'll have, um, I'll have the links to Brent's book as well as George's book. And actually I could put a link to the stars and strips forever that the American boy choir did. I can put that in there as well. So anyway, um, I got these dots and I don't remember the name of them off the top of my head, but they could be used for so many different things. They're kind of like these rubber colorful dots that you can lay around the room. So, um, you know, you could do movement with them where everybody who's at a red dot do this. Everyone who's at an orange dot do this. Um, Today, I actually used it with my first graders. I used them with my first graders where I only have 12 of the dots. Ideally, I'd like to have a little bit more so every kid could have their own dot. But right now, I only have 12. And I laid them out in a circle, and I had 12 of the students come to a dot. They stood on top of the dot, and then they improvised a four-beat pattern, and then walked four beats to the next dot and improvised another four-beat pattern with Ta and Titi. So it could be used for something like that. It could be used for creative movement. I honestly think the possibilities are endless. And I'm thinking maybe I should write a blog post about it once I experiment. But that's really fun just to go shopping for music education stuff. Um, so I really love it for that reason. 
And then I mentioned this before, another reason I really love professional development is to network and to have conversations and to see friends that I haven't seen in a long time. I, I just think like as music teachers, we often feel like we're on our own island. You know, you might be in the situation where like, maybe you do have a traveler at your building, but you don't see them all the time. Or maybe you are the traveler and you go to three or four different buildings and you might have very limited time to have conversations with other music teachers, even when you're at the same building. Or maybe you're in a small district where you are the music teacher like K-8 or K-12 and there's no one else to talk to. So going to these kinds of conferences is so helpful because then you do get to have those conversations with people. Sometimes the best conversations I have are, you know, sitting at dinner with a bunch of friends that are also music teachers and just say, you know, hearing them say, Oh, well, I tried this and I really liked it. Oh, well, I tried this. And Oh, have you thought about this? It's just like those conversations that classroom teachers get to have pretty frequently, right? Because they're, they have a team every day that they get to see and we don't have that. So just being in the same space, you know, Facebook pages are super helpful. Like, you know, like I mentioned the OAKE Facebook page, we, there's also an OAKE Facebook group or the Kodai Educators group or the AOSA group or the I'm a general music teacher group. Like there are a lot of those groups and that's a fantastic way to collaborate and to network and to ask questions. But really that face-to-face, -face, like nothing gets, nothing is better than that, you know? So just being able to have the, all those conversations and just feeling like people get you, you know, sometimes if you don't get to have those conversations, you kind of feel like no one really understands what you do. And when you go to these conferences, there are a lot of people who understand what you do. And then my last point about going to professional development and why I love it so much is the aha moments. And, you know, with these, it could be something where you have an aha moment about a specific topic in one session. But in my experience, the aha moments actually happen after going to several different sessions. And there might be like a common thread through quite a few of the sessions. And then in your head, you start putting something together and that's your aha moment. So like, for example, for me this year, I went to several sessions, which I didn't even like consciously do this. I happened to pick a few that had listening lesson ideas and I didn't really do that purposefully. It's just, it's just what happened. And, um, I do feel like I do want to do more listening lessons though. So I'm, you know, sitting in my friend Donna's session about create, you know, creative movement and listening lessons using creative movement. And I sat in my friend Amy and Jennifer's session about listening lessons. And then Lauren Bain's session about listening lessons or Part of it was about listening lessons and I'm just sitting here kind of soaking all that in, soaking all of it in. And also um, my friend Brent, he had listening lesson in there. So I'm just kind of like soaking all that in. And then as I'm sitting in that last session with Amy and Jennifer, you know, I kind of have this aha moment that the way that I've been um, using listening lessons is maybe like I'm not looking at enough of the piece. And this is not anything that anyone said to me. Nobody had that point exactly at, at you know, any of the sessions. But it's just that, you know, going from one session to the other to the other, and you see those kind of common problems that 
they're talking about with listening lessons or the, you know, the, just the, the commonalities that keep coming up. And I realized a, that I'm probably not giving the listening lessons or the pieces enough context. And B, I realized that I want to use more music that I really love because, you know, um, now in this, in the Kodai world, there are a lot of people who do like, they'll use like Haydn's uh, Surprise Symphony for Ta and Titi and um, Ron, Mozart's Rondo alla Turca for Ticka Ticka. And I love doing that. Absolutely. But I realized that the pieces that I come back to and I always make sure are, are in my lessons are the pieces that I love. Like I love Mozart's Wonder Willow Tricket. I do it every year, partly because I love it, you know, or like I really love Beethoven's Symphony Number no. 7, Movement 2. Absolutely love it. I do it every year because I love it. But then there are other pieces where I've heard, oh, well, you should try this piece for this reason. And I try it once and I never do it again. <laughs> and it's not you know, it's it, in another classroom, maybe it could totally work, but I just don't love the piece enough. So I really want to look at that and make sure that the lessons that I choose are for pieces that I just adore. And then I think they'll be more successful. And like I said, this is not something that any presenter mentioned. It's just an aha moment that I had after sitting through several sessions. And that happens to me every year. I have an aha moment about something because, and like I said, it could be just like in one session I have the aha moment or after several sessions where you hear these, a common thread, you have that aha moment. But, you know, that's what keeps us moving forward as teachers and just keeps making us better is to really think deeply about what we're doing and constantly reflect about what can I do better? What can I do better? So I am so thankful for every single conference I've been to and I feel like they've all made me um, a better teacher. So I highly recommend if you haven't had a chance to go to one or you just haven't gone in a while that you check that out. Now, um, first, how to find conferences. So if you're interested in going to the next OAKE conference, it will be in Oklahoma City, and the information is likely not on the website yet, but probably, you know, starting in the fall of 2017 of this year, um, you can start going to OAKE.org and find out more information about it. Um, AOSA also has a conference every year. Um, I want to say November, maybe. I know they've had one in November before. I don't know if it's always November, but again, just check out their website. So there's this AOSA.org. And also state music education conferences. If you Google, you know, your state music education organization, you know, like Ohio Music Education Organization or Ohio Music Education Association, actually, is that what I think it is, um, then you'll find information about your state conference as well. And as far as how to find workshops, um, so workshops are, you know, just shorter. So you might have a four-hour workshop or a three-hour workshop, or I've actually presented six-hour workshops before, so it depends on the chapter. Um, same thing, if you go to the OAKE website or the AOSA website, the Del Crow Society of America has a helpful website that you can go to as well, and I'll leave that in the show notes as well. And you might have, um, they're not as widespread as AOSA and OAKE yet, 
um, but you might be able to find a workshop in your area as well. So I encourage you to definitely check those out as well. And the last thing I want to talk about is I know in today's day and age, unfortunately, sometimes teachers and music teachers are told that they cannot attend out-of-state conferences, which I think is really sad because so often to get the best professional development, we do have to go out of state. I mean, like I said, you might have a really wonderful state music education conference that has everything you need. But in my experience, the best sessions I've been to are when I travel out of state. Fortunately, I have a really supportive principal who understands the power of professional development and he understands how great it is to go to an out-of-state conference. He actually just presented at a national principal conference and he said it was the best conference he had ever been to. So he totally gets it. So, you know, when having conversations with your principal, if you're getting any kind of pushback for going to a conference like this, you know, you might just explain that in the music education world, world, it's a little bit different. Sometimes you do have to go out of state to get really fantastic professional development. So good luck. Hopefully um, you don't get any pushback and you are able to go to a conference like this. And like I said, check the show notes. I'll have quite a few links in there to help you out. And thanks for listening today. Make sure, thanks for listening today. Feel free to, uh, you know, shoot me an email or um, leave a comment in the iTunes store about, you know, your favorite professional development conference for music education. I'd be happy to add it to the show notes. And while you're there, please leave a review in the iTunes store. It helps more music teachers find this podcast. Thank you so much for listening today and have a great day. (laughs) 